Hello people, hope you're well. It's Callum from the Hustle and Wood Houses podcast. Today we have Dominic on from KDA Properties talking all things about raising investor finance. Dominic used an investor for his first deal and since then has used them multiple times raising millions of pounds in the process. If this is something you are interested in and you are enjoying these podcasts, please leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening. We'll be really grateful and it really helps us grow the podcast. Thanks so much. All the best, people. So, Dom, welcome to the Hustle with Houses podcast. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. How are things with you? Yeah, good. Always busy, but um, that's never a bad thing. That's it, mate. As soon as I come on, I could see you're uh, doing deals before we uh, before we jumped on. So busy, busy man. Yeah, so yeah, one of one of my brokers was just getting me to, to have a chat about um, a refinance that we're almost at the end point for. So uh, really sorry about that. No, no problem at all, mate. Love to see it. So for people who don't know who you are, then Dom, who are you, and what do you do, and what do you what do you sort of invest in? Yeah, so uh, my name is Dominic Adam Check. I'm part of a business called KDA Property. Um, myself and my wife, Kate and Dominic Adam Check, and the um, initials. Um, I pre my previous life is a recruitment consultant. So um, I've, I've been in various different businesses and recruitment agencies, um, various different levels, from entry level way back when in 2007 all the way through to director level. When I then decided to go internal, I worked for an organization called Bumble, which is an online dating app. I well known one as their recruitment manager. So I was helping them out for about a year and a half on recruitment. But about four years ago, um, when I was still a director of a recruitment agency, um, one of my friends um, convinced me to go to this property training event. My wife had been to property training events for about two years before that but we never really took off our son came along so we didn't really um venture into property too much and i didn't really do didn't really understand too much about property i didn't really trust it and so what people were telling me i was like i don't think that's true i was doing all right in my business and thought 12 hour days are fine by me because that's what everybody's doing you know it's all a hustle and bustle of business obviously little did i know that that's not what people should be doing um, so yeah, I went to this property training event, um, and by the end of that two day, and that that's by a company called Real Life Group. Um, I thought Mark Harvey runs it. Um, by the end of that two days, I was like, "What have I been doing with my life? This doesn't seem like the uh, the right path that I need to be taking. It's to to be doing twelve hour days, working for somebody else, putting money in somebody else's back pocket." And it was just like a light switch moment over the weekend. I became a totally different person. The way that my my path was going. Um, so I then, whilst I was working full time, I was, I was um, starting up the property business. Literally the, the day or two after this property training event, we went into lockdown. So COVID and all of that. And it was probably the most, I suppose, lucky situation to have been in at that moment in time, because in November before, um, 2019, we actually took a load of um, equity out of our property that we were living in with the view that we were going to invest it with one of our friends, because we went to the training, um, um, event, I decided that we were going to use that money for us because we then joined the group at that moment in time before lockdown, we were talking to people on zoom on and off for a few weeks and um, they'd be masterminds on a Monday. So you, you jump on and learn more about what other people's challenges are and answer questions, ask questions. 
Um, and there was one person on there going, I've got this deal in Peterborough and I need the money. And we were like, well, this could be quite a good one. They viewed the property before lockdown. And, um, and then, um, took that on. We then said, well, yeah, we've got the money. So we took that on. So yeah, anyway, a very, very long way of coming around to it. Um, but we years work, but four years ago, went to a training, training event, started the property journey. Between now, between then and now, we've um, been involved in a number of different property deals, including flips, um, HMOs, um, and we've started on the service accommodation route as well over the last year. Um, we've got three point one million pounds worth of property asset and assets under management, um, of which six and a half thousand pounds of that is net cash flow. By the end of this year, with all of the properties that we've got going through um, conveyancing, um, we'll have seven point four million pounds worth of property portfolio with a £23,000 net cash flow. Um, and that's not including all of the other deals that we're still um, viewing, putting offers in on, and hopefully building them out even further. And this has all been possible by raising money with private investment. So um, we put in 375000 of our own money, um, but we've, we've raised $1.5 through um, private investment altogether through the last four years, which has helped us to build up our property portfolio to where it is now. That's an incredible journey, mate, from, from, from 2020. That's similar time to when I started and what you've done is absolutely incredible, mate. So congratulations. And Thank you. it's, it's, um, it's ballsy to jump out your job anytime, but when you're quite high up, that's very, very, very ballsy. So again, congratulations to you and, and what you've achieved in a short period of time, only four years is massive, mate. So well played. Well, stage to kind of emphasize a little bit more. Um, when I was at Bumble, I was there for a year and a half. I actually got made redundant in July last year, so July 2023. And um, I was planning on leaving anyway, and I wanted, I really wanted to sack my boss. Not because like, it's an ego thing or anything, but I just wanted to have that feeling of going, I'm done. I'm now out of the rat race. I'm in full time. Um, and that would have been like a really nice um, ending point. However, I got made redundant, so I got paid a piece and amount to, to leave the business. So it was actually a win-win situation for everybody. Happy days, mate. Happy days. So obviously you've been in, involved in quite a few deals now. What is your favorite strategy? Is it the HMO strategy is it, or? Yeah, so the primary strategy for us is HMOs. There's mm -hmm. the capital appreciation, the rental income, and obviously the, the asset that comes along with it as well. Um, and. I feel a bit more in control of the situation with that. Like, although we do use managing agents to do all of the, the tenant finding and the tenant management stuff, um, that seems to me like there's just more control over it. We also have service accommodation. We do rent to rent service accommodation as well. And it's just up and down, up and down different months. You don't know whether or not there's going to be a good month or a bad month or another one month to the next. So you're always thinking, am I going to have a good month this month? There's not as much control over that. It's, it's entirely dependent on the microclimate of all of the different um, projects that you've got going on, doing well. Um, and definitely the last you know, December, January time, that's where things fall off a cliff. So you're looking at it and going, my property loss has gone down dramatically. But then April, May, June, July time, it goes back up again. You're like, oh, this is brilliant. But HMOs is definitely the strategy for us that, that maintains that consistency. Um, it gives us that control. Um, and to a certain extent, actually, our investors, um, they, they, although they didn't necessarily understand what HMOs were to begin with, when they start earning and learning with us, they start understanding and appreciating it more. That's their preferred um, thing for us to invest their money into as well. Yeah. Was it a shit, obviously, in, in, when you're in a sort of day-to-day -day job, 
um, the thought of going into property and getting investments and stuff like that is quite it's quite daunting. And, and, and for me, it's been a sort of shift in mindset. Has it, has it been a shift in mindset for you or was you open to it straight away and, and thought, okay, I can get this done? The fortunate thing for me is I've been in recruitment for near on 20 years or up until July last year. And most of that was working for recruitment agencies. And most of that time I was having to do not just the finding of the candidates, but I was also doing a lot of business development. So I'd be phoning up lots of different companies, their IT managers and asking them various different types of IT managers and whether or not they'd be interested in using our services. Um, so you're doing a lot of cold calling and generating business that, that wasn't there to begin with. And I did quite well in that area. Um, they moved up to the very seniority level. And at times I was, I was billing more than other people in the business. Um, so I must've been doing a good, good job there. Um, so that, I suppose gave me a bit more of a, a, um, a luxurious position where I was able to not worry too much about picking up the phone, speaking to people and just asking the question. Um, but I don't necessarily ask for investment on any calls because I don't think that's the right way of doing it. Um, thing that we, we are taught in, in real life as well as, um, what I feel is the right thing to do anyway, is just put deals in front of people and ask for opinions on it. And then, um, if they know anybody that might be interested, so I'm never asking for investment because of the way that I've done it, it it's actually worked to, uh, to, to generate quite a lot of investment. Yeah, I'm doing a sort of raising uh, raising private finance course at the moment, and, and and that's one of the things that they talk about in there, and they call it sort of selling through, asking for opinion on the deal and stuff like that, and then usually they might think, okay, yeah, I'm interested in that, let's let's do it. So, is there any other tips that you give for raising private finance? Because I know it's it's very 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 important. Even if you've got a million pound, two million pound, the cash will run out eventually. So it's, it's massive in the business. Is there any other tips that you would give and, and places to find investors and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, loads of different tips. So, um, one of them would be to, um, to genuinely care about everyone you're talking to. Um, one of, um, the, the, the guys that I know quite well, a guy called Lewis Perrin, who's very heavily involved in, in property investment. Um, he talks about commission breath. So if you're on the phone and you're talking to people and all you care about is getting that, that investment at the end of it. It will, it will, you, they will hear about it. Like in your voice, in your tone, in the desperation, almost the way you're coming across. Um, so ask questions about how they are and what they're up to and what their life's all about and genuinely care about that. Like rather than like putting on this fake bravado of going, oh, how are you? Oh, by the way, do you want to invest? No, actually have a proper conversation with people. It was, this. I think this is why things were quite easy during COVID. To, everyone was asking the question, how are you? And genuinely meant it, but now mm. people have reverted back to how are you now? What's in it for me? Where I don't do that, I, I actually ask what, how people are doing because I genuinely care about that. And then you can go into other conversations around like investment throughout it, but like what are you up to, what are you doing? And then they say at some point, what are you up to, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing this. Thank you for asking. This is what I'm doing. This is the um, opportunity I've got available. What are your opinion on it? Um, I value your opinion. What are your thoughts on it? Do you know anybody that could be interested in it? And that becomes more of a conversation rather than a sales pitch. Another way of going out to market is, um, and consistency is key, by the way, and I'll talk more about that in a sec, but you have to start very, very wide on the funnel. And what I mean by that is you have to put as many different people you can think of into your list of people that could potentially be an investor. So again, another thing that we get taught in real life is um, go into your phone, 
have a look through everybody on there and work out who you think's got money. That's the first thing that you do. The second bit is, right, now think about everybody else in your phone. Work out whether or not they might have money. And the question that you ask yourself is, do I know for definite whether or not this person might have some money sitting in a bank account? The answer is no. Nobody tells you anything about their finances because it's all kept quite secret. This is a personal thing. So never think, like when you're going through your phone, that person won't have any money. I know them quite well. They won't have any money. How do you know? Ask them the question. Get on the phone and ask them how they're doing. You start off very, very wide, and that can be people in your phone. It can be going out to LinkedIn and finding lots of different people that are your target investors. Target investors being another thing that you need to think about as well. Start up really, really wide and just start sending out messages, phoning up these people and doing the activity that will start generating interest. You've got the social media side of things. So we do that quite heavily as well, is, is thinking about what people are interested in hearing about. And it's not like, hey, this is what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. It's why would an investor care about what you're doing? What are the problems that an investor is going through and how can you solve those problems and being able to um, put that across to them in a way that they actually want to hear rather than boring old, boring old, same old, same old. Um, so the, the social media element is very, very key. We've raised investment through um, Instagram and then Facebook. You know some of the people that have invested with us. Um, and uh, another bit is, is, is the credibility element as well. Um, why are people, why would people actually want to invest in you? You've got to work that out. Um, and, and keep on repeating that to yourself. These are, these are the reasons why people would invest with me. Um, and then the, the other bit is the, um, uh, went completely blank on it, but, um, the, the consistency side of things. So a real key learning for me, when I first started off, I was consistent. Every single day I was phoning up people and I was, I was actually furloughed during COVID. So even though I was quite senior, I was furloughed. I was not earning any money for my business. I was a, a non-fee earning manager. I was managing a load of people that were the fee earners. And at that point I wasn't making any money for the company. So they said, well, we got furlough. So for three months, I was on the phone speaking to people and, and generating interest and generating investment. I did quite well in that moment. And then we had lots of projects at that moment. So the money started going towards those. But then we had less projects coming through because the, the, the property market, which is why I'm finding any deals. And so we had money in the bank, but we didn't have as many deals. And I was like, ah, I need to get rid of this money somehow. Um, so I slowed down on the raising finance side of things and I sped up the finding property side of things. And then at some point I had more properties and less money. And I was like, I shouldn't have taken my foot off the gas. I should have carried on going with raising invest investment, being consistent. And to a point now where I'm still, I'd say, ramping back up to a point where now I'm having much more detailed conversations with people starting to invest again. Um, so for about six to 12 months, because I'd taken my foot off the gas 12, 18 months before, I wasn't getting any, I wasn't generating any investment. In 2023, it was quite difficult to raise money anyway, because um, a lot of high net worth individuals I was talking to, they, they stepped back. The, the money they were getting from banks was increasing and the risk elements associated with investing elsewhere because of various different economic conditions, the Russian situation being one of them, um, that they pulled back on outward investments. Um, so yeah, if I had continued with the, the consistent going out to the market, talking to people that I was doing before, 
Um, I, I would have a lot more money in the bank account than what I do at the moment. Still yeah. okay at the moment, but you know, it's, it's better to be in a financial position where you can fund every single project. I've got one project at the moment um, that is fully funded. Three projects, two of them are fully funded, and one of them we're starting to raise for at the moment. I could have already had that money in the bank account for that extra project if I hadn't taken my foot off the gas. It's funny, Dom, everything you're saying is, um, is, is on this course that I'm doing at the moment. It's exactly the same with taking your foot off the gas with the raising finance, then having too many deals and everything you're saying is, is resonating with me. Um, one thing I would like to, like to chat about is, is LinkedIn because I think that's untapped potential for investors, really. Don't get me wrong, I know a lot of people are using it and I might not be aware of that, but I know a lot of people use Instagram and Facebook, which again is brilliant. Um, I don't want to take away your secret sauce, but how do you approach someone on LinkedIn? Is it just, obviously, like you say, they're not asked about, investors aren't bothered about sort of, it, you know, why, what, they, they just want to know what they're going to earn. Is it a case of messaging someone and going straight in or what What would you say? Yeah, there's no one size fits all to that. So LinkedIn, you're absolutely right, is untapped. Most people just go to Facebook and Instagram because it's the easy option. And with LinkedIn, you have to work at it. Now you can still put, posts out on, on LinkedIn. So anything you put out on Facebook and Instagram, go onto LinkedIn as well in your feed. Um, but the main thing for me, and this actually, I had a conversation with a lead generator um, for investors at the beginning of the week, somebody that just dropped me a message and said, hey, would you would you want any more investors? And I was like, yeah, of course. So I had a conversation with them. Essentially what they do, which is kind of what I do with my, my assistant anyway, is I search for angel investors on linkedin so we have investor avatars we've got four different categories of investors that we have thought about our, our target investors so we need to work out who they are what they do all of the genetic makeup of them and then um, we can then search for that on linkedin so every single week without fail since the beginning of november time i'm adding as many of those type of people as a connection on linkedin building up that base of people talking about creating the, the start of the funnel again that, that's what we're doing in linkedin with people that connect with me i then send a quick message to them because not many people do that a quick message of intro with a, a very brief high level high touch piece of information about who we are so a quick couple of slides this is who we are and this is kind of what we're doing at the moment nothing too detailed though and that's just uh i just want to introduce myself also, and I don't mind talking about secret source because there's an abundance of people out there. Like we shouldn't be like you know, ring fencing people, or ring fencing our, our information. Because if I can help anybody, that helps with my mission, which is to achieve to, uh, helping everybody or helping you to achieve total freedom and have fun. Um, so if I stopped giving this information out, then that wouldn't fall into to my mission. So um, the first thing that I'll do is hey. Thanks very much for connecting. Um, I don't necessarily want to talk too much about what I'm interested in at the moment, but what I'd love to be able to do is help you, connect you to who you want to be connected to. I may already know those people. Find out more about the projects that you're working on and the challenges that you're facing. Maybe I might be able to help you in some way, shape, or form. Wouldn't be like I'd be providing consultancy or anything like that, but um, essentially what I'm saying to them is um, I'm different. I, I do want to know more about you. And I want to help you. So if you can help them to begin with, chances are at some point they might turn around and go, hey, you've helped me. I'm an angel investor. I know that you're looking for investment. I know, like, and trust you because of the stuff that you've helped me with. Let's talk about investment. So it's a longer term play for that one in, in, 
the way that I do it. But some people have come back straight away and say, hey, are you looking for investment? I'm like, yes. Still want to talk to you about how I can help you, but let's also talk about investment. So some people opt about that straight away have gone, let's have a chat. We've got Zoom meetings booked in. We've had conversations with them. And for some of them, we are very, very close now to, and this is from the beginning of November time, remember, so this is good three months worth of work. Some of them are very, very close to investing with us um, from the conversations that we're having. Um, the next step after that, for the people that don't respond back to you, is to send another message to them. This is all like tailored stuff. It's not like uh, don't use a software that, that sends old messages out to everybody on LinkedIn, which is what we used to do in recruitment because you can do that quite easily. Um, these are all tailored conversations. Like, I, I like this about you, like that about you, your, your message, your, your LinkedIn profile shows that you do this and this, and maybe I can help you do that. So this is the second message that's been sent out along with a second slideshow or pitch deck, which goes into more detail about who we are and what we do. So you're drip feeding information with every message. Each one's different. Because if you send the same message every single time, you're going to be like, yeah, you've sent me that before. Um, and then people are coming back on those ones. Thanks very much for that. I didn't realize that about you. Let's have a chat or not for me at the moment, but thank you for thinking of me and always thinking about what well, it's not about. I want investment from you. It's how can I help you? So don't worry necessarily too much about all this stuff I'm introducing to you. But how can I help you? More people then come back and go, oh, okay, cool. Let's have a chat. And then there's still people that don't come back to you any, even after the second message. So then the third message is like the, the, um, the, the finalized loads of detail this is who we are this is what we're about and this is what we're looking for um and some people come back from that and then you've got people that um maybe have said i'm not interested right this moment in time but if you have something that this is then bear me in mind so then we've got deal analyzer pitch decks so a project that we're working on all of the information about it how they will get their money back time scales timeline and then you send that over to them when you've got the right opportunity so this is a linkedin piece of um, Something that I've done for 15 odd years since LinkedIn actually became into existence is, is drip feeding lots of stuff to begin with to a point where they're like, okay, I'm ready to go. You've given me loads of information. Now I'm ready. Um, and there's other things that we learn about with understanding at what point somebody is, what, what stage somebody is at in investing with you, whether they haven't got a clue who they are, who you are, or they have a clue who you are, but they don't know enough about you. Or they, they know enough about you and they're just starting to, to be ready to go. And then the people that are, yeah, let's go. So we're, we're working out which, which investor is at what stage or prospective investor is at which stage and what information we pass over to them and present to them. Um, there's loads of other marketing strategy work that goes into that as well. Um, but although we haven't necessarily closed anybody on LinkedIn for investment rights at this moment in time from the, the last amount of work we've been doing since November, um, come back to me in two or three months' time, and I'm pretty much I can guarantee you that we'll have a few that have already come through from that point. That's amazing, that's absolutely incredible. I think I think a lot of people will pay a lot of money for that information. That what you've just given there is very, very valuable. Very, very valuable. I've been taking notes myself. Just yeah, I think that's an incredible way, and I do think, like you say, it is an untapped market. The uh, the sort of LinkedIn LinkedIn route. What sort of do LinkedIn are? LinkedIn is a business networking site. So initially, when they were brought out, it was all about basically just kind of getting back in touch with your old colleagues and networking in that way, um, kind of like the Facebook mentality. And Facebook has obviously blown up to something a lot bigger than that. LinkedIn is now 
they said, we're not a recruitment um, platform, so we're never going to do recruitment. But then they saw an untapped market, like, we can make a lot of money in recruitment. So then they moved down the recruitment route. You can pay loads of money as a recruitment business too, to get into loads of different packages for them. But then you've also got this, this notion that there are loads of people on LinkedIn trying to network with other people in the business world to better themselves, improve themselves, or maybe help other people. The vast majority is, how can I help myself? There's a smaller amount of people of how can I help other people. But by and large, if you're in business, you're probably on LinkedIn. Your profile's on LinkedIn. You are findable on LinkedIn, which means then um, if you haven't started doing it at the moment, never know, you could just get one one investor from LinkedIn. And that one investor could be high net worth individual, half a million, a million, maybe even more. And you, you raise a ton of money um, by doing the same thing that you've been doing on Facebook and Instagram they just with one extra platform. Do you do anything different then from your Instagram posts to your to your LinkedIn posts at all? No, um, everything is essentially copy and pasted from Facebook and, and Instagram. The stuff I put out to that it goes into LinkedIn. Um, we use Meta Business Suites to post everything out um, to Facebook and Instagram because you can just do it all in one. You can schedule it and stuff. We used to use a scheduling tool called Buffer for everything, but we through um, our research we realised that. Meta doesn't like third-party software. So if you're putting third-party uh, software content into scheduling it and putting it into Facebook and Instagram, you get less engagement. So we use Meta Business Suite for Facebook and Instagram. And then my assistant then copy and paste the stuff that I post into to LinkedIn. So the, the content is exactly the same. The, the, the information is exactly the same. The way that I see it is you have to be um, authentic in, in the way that you approach things. So if you're changing your your tone of voice and stuff for a different platform in my opinion you're not showing your authentic self so i keep everything the same um we still use buffer for linkedin um for my um business account as well as my pro uh, my personal um uh, profile but um that's purely just to save us a time some time in the future so we're not physically manually going onto linkedin and posting it we're using the, the buffer tool for that um so yeah, in, in, in essence, no, we, we don't do anything different. Um, and because like a lot of my connections I know personally, although there's also a proportion I don't know personally, I do, I do get a reasonable amount of engagement on those posts. Yeah. And what, um, so at what point then did you start to raise investors? Was it was it on your first deal you raised investors? Was it your third deal, fourth deal? Where about did you start to raise actual investor finance and start using it? Yeah, it was on the first deal. So we thought, oh, we'll just take out, we had 90,000 of our own money that we took out from our property. That'll be more than enough to do our first deal. And then we started learning properly how to run numbers on an HMO. And we were about 50 grand short. So um, we had to go and find the money for that. So it was literally from day one. Um, and as wow. I said, because we were um, working from high, well, um, we were um, not allowed out of the house because of the, the, the lockdown. Um, and I was furloughed. I was just making calls. I was I was sending out messages constantly. Um, and it didn't take too long for, for the first part of investment to come through. In fact, actually, my wife on my phone got our first investor. And that wasn't really any of her role and responsibility to do it. But she was just having a chat with somebody. And they said, yeah, I'll have to give you some money. And we were like, maybe I should be doing a bit more than that. So um, then it started coming through from me. That's it. Yeah, I've, we had a lady on, uh, Lauren Hummer. And that's that telling everyone what you do thing is very, very cliche, isn't it? But it, it definitely works. She um she moved up to New, Newcastle sort of way, the northeast, 
and she was at her mum's and talked to a group of ladies she'd never met and she just got it in there that she does property and and whatever and the next time she went she invested in it like 150 grand which is it, it is crazy it's a, incredible but it's not just about the yeah. investment side of things and telling everybody what you do it can have so many different benefits that um i'm i'm a business coach and uh, i do work probably four or five hours of my week is coaching different people in property investment and other areas within different business industries as well um one of my coaching clients, he, he, he works for a, um, a well-known paint company and works behind the counter. And because of the, the trade that he's in, he has builders coming in, developers coming in, property investors coming in. Um, so he, he sometimes has to drop paint off um, at different properties. And one of them he went, dropped off, and there was a Porsche on the, on the um, driveway. And the guy was at home at like Wednesday at midday wasn't wasn't doing any work he said what, what do you do and he said oh i invest in um care homes and so they got chatting um and another one that he was um said um somebody came in and he was a builder and he said oh well, are you working on any developments around the area he's like oh yeah it's a new development just around the corner we're doing some some, some flats in in nottingham oh do you know if that person might be interested in um corporate lets and so doing the rent to rent service accommodation model and he said i will have a chat with him he did he had a chat with that that developer the developer then got in, in touch with him and said let's have a chat so he's now picked up a potential for a portfolio of um i think there was something like five two bedrooms and three one bedroom flats that he can then have first dibs on for um direct to market a uh, direct to vendor um rent to rent service accommodation brand new flats that he could do in central Nottingham. Um, wow. And he's got he's got like two or three other examples of where people just come in. He's asked questions. Whenever I'm on a coaching call with him, I'm like, ah, "You're so good at that." Um, and we're talking about because he's basically a point now from like, the work that we've done since August last year. You already have one HMO, but since August last year, he is now going to be financially free because of um, the, the, the deals that he's done within a very short space of time. And I said on the last coaching call, which was yesterday, in fact. Maybe you shouldn't quit. Maybe you should do one day a week working for that business because the amount of stuff that you're getting through, because the right people are coming in and you're asking the questions to what they do, you're getting business. Um, so um, yeah, it's, it's telling everybody what you do because you never know what might happen. Another person I know, um, they kept on going into the corner shop where they where they lived. Never really spoke to, to this corner shop owner before. And um, and then they finally had this chat, and then they said, "Oh, what do you do?" And the corner shop owner was like, well, I, "I do this and this, and I'm also in property." They were like, "We're in property as well. We do this." And he was like, "I think they generated twenty five grand of investment off of them um, because they've been going in for such a long time, and nobody knew what each other was doing." And then it turned out that they were kindred spirits, and like they they, they had so much in common, and they started generating money off them. Yeah, like you said, like we touched on earlier, the money thing in in, in England is quite. Um... It's a weird culture around money, isn't it, in England? Apart from sort of property people and business people, it's quite enclosed and stuff like that. But one thing I did want to chat about, Don, was you obviously raised, raised investor finance on your first deal. People will be listening to this and thinking, wow, that is incredible. How did you, for someone listening, they might be thinking he's got sort of no, no experience in property. Obviously, you've got a hell of a lot of experience doing what you've done, but he's got no experience in property. How has he gone past got past the mindset of raising finance without feeling without feeling like not a fraudster but 
you know, you've, you've got no experience in property. Why would someone invest in me? That's what someone might be thinking. What, what, how did you get past that? Yeah, that, that's um, yeah, classic imposter syndrome, which um, I still have to this day. I, I, I still like think to myself, I'm like, am I actually doing a good job? Why are people investing in me? Why, why are people investing in me? And I look back and I go, well, I have created something really, really good. But at the start, that imposter syndrome is massive. I totally get that. Um, but the, the main thing is that you need to take action. So you could be sitting there going, why would somebody invest in me? Why would somebody invest in me? And you can keep on doing that and not take any action and nobody will invest in you because you're not doing anything to secure it. Everybody starts off somewhere and there are people out there that want to see you do well. They, they will um, take a chance on you as the first investor or the second investor because of the story that you've given them, the, the, your background, what you're trying to achieve. So to, um, to kind of go into more detail around it. Firstly, your background story. Who are you? What do you do? How have you done? And why would anybody care that that's what you've done? And then once you've written that all down, take it from somebody else's perspective, sit in somebody else's shoes and go, right, I'm listening to all this. Do I care? Is that something that people are going to be interested in hearing about me? Um, and will that be something where they go, that's cool, I like that, that that adds that layer of credibility that I can now start thinking about, right, we've, we've gone past step one is, do I think that you're a, a nice person? Do I think that you're going to be doing me a good job because of all the things you've done in the past? So um, some people I talk to as um, new property investors, as co my coaching clients, one of them is an IT manager, never done property before, and we're, we're getting through all of that as to um, what have you done, who are you, why would somebody care about investing in you? Even if you haven't done any deals um, with some people that are in the, the NHS, the guy that's um, in the, um, the, the, the paint company. Um, one person is totally unemployed at the moment and I've just started working with him now. We're going through all of that. So the why, what, why, why would somebody invest in you based on your background? Then it is about the, the why, about what you're trying to achieve. So the mission. So our mission initially was, and this is going to sound so like greedy, I want to do what I want, what I want, when I want, with whoever I want, without any financial limitations. And I thought, yeah, that's great. Like everyone will be interested in that because imagine like somebody being able to, to just get out of the rat race. And um, obviously at that moment in time, I thought it was great, but um, looking back on it with now with my, my actual mission, which took me a while to get through my wife and I to, to come to the realization of, no, that's not the be all and end all, having to do what we want with whoever we want. It's empowering you to achieve total freedom and have fun. And that keeps us going. So when I'm talking to investors, high net worth individuals, one person that um, has just sold his business for 35 million pounds, not, not security as an investor, um, and who knows, may never will, may, may never do that. But um, he said, so, you know, why, why are you bothered about um, empowering people to cheat or free and have fun? Where's the money element? I was like, it doesn't bother me too much about the money element. As long as I can survive financially, as long as I'm financially independent, Yes, it'd be nice that I can go on loads of different amazing holidays, and that's like a 20-year goal. But at the moment, it's about empowering you to achieve total freedom and have fun. And he was like, I don't get it. Everybody wants money. And I said, I genuinely don't. I, I, I need money to survive. Absolutely. I need money to grow the business. Absolutely. And in the long term, that will come. Like It's, it's a, um, a happy, um, uh, not coincidence, but um, something that comes through because of doing all the right things anyway, going out and, and giving people help. Um, and he was like, hmm, that's interesting. 
So instead of him, and he has done this to a load of other people, cutting off and just not having conversations from then on, um, he came over to my house, like we had lunch, and there was somebody that uh, um, lives two hours away, but he came over just to, to just chat through things in more detail. Who knows? It's not, it might not amount to anything, but I'm showing something slightly different to that. Um, so that, that mission, I think, is really, really important. And it's not about, like, the greedy, selfish nature of what you're trying to achieve. Like, I'm trying to do things for my kids. People don't care about what you're trying to do for your kids. They actually care about the contributory factor alongside it. So, yes, when I have built out this business, I'm also going to have done these things. So a lot of people talk about charities and not for profit. Um, so the guy from the, the paint company, um, he wants to help bereaved children to cope and and um, to be supported with their parents or aunties or teachers or anybody, best friends have, have passed away, um, which is actually a charity um, down in southeast London that I'm, I'm quite closely affiliated with. Um, a charity called Holding or Letting Go to do that similar type of stuff. So I've been able to connect him with them as well. And, and that's been quite a nice little universe listening type situation. But then the, the next part is um, what what can you actually provide for them? How can you guarantee that guarantee as much as you can from an investment point of view? How can you make sure that they are going to get their investment back without fail with the interest that you're saying that you're going to pay them back on the agreed time scales that you said you're going to pay them back as well? And this is where total due diligence comes into play. So you may not have done any deals, but you might work with a load of other people that have done deals. So people that are part of the real life group. Um, they they utilize our experience to help them to do due diligence analysis on whether or not the deal is good. Um, and you have to be watertight on it as well. So not just when you've um, decided that you're going to put the offer in, you've got the offer accepted, you've, you've got the architect plans. You now know what the floor plans look like, so you'll know what you can get into that room, in, into that house, whether it's um, medium-sized on, on suite rooms, large-sized on suite rooms, medium-sized studio rooms, and what we call studios is like an on-suite or kitchen, and slightly larger um, rooms, or is it a large studio? Um, have you got one communal area or three communal areas? Are you, yeah, can you can start valuing your property based on all of this, the rents you're going to get through based on all of the rooms? Um, hopefully, you'll be talking to your, your broker with a high level of detail where they'll give you types of yields that you can expect. You can talk to surveyors and find out more information on what yield you can expect around a certain area if they give you that information, or at the very least, how they calculate a valuation of a property. You'll also be talking to your builders. What is the build quote that I'm going to be getting? And, and nail them down on that build quote as well. Schedule of works, itemized billing, so that there shouldn't be any any difficulty or any differences in the, uh, the, the initial cost that they quote you and the final bill that they put in front of you. Put contingency in make sure that that's in place. So you've done all of your total due diligence and you can, by and large, and obviously nothing's ever watertight 100% when it comes to a property deal, but you've done as much due diligence as physically possible. So you can say to your investor with a level of confidence, I'm going to be able to provide you your investment back with your interest at the date that we've agreed because of all of these different reasons. And this is the time scale that is going to happen within. So you know, this is when this is going to happen. That's when that's going to happen. That's when that's going to happen. So they've got clarity around when um, things should start moving on the project. Um, and then thinking about like the what's in it for, for the investor side of things as well is um, what, what deal were you providing for them so that they can then go, it works for me. So instead of you just going, 
hey, thanks very much for getting on the call. Blah, 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 and, and just literally about bombarding them with information, much like doing at the moment with you. Um, but asking them questions. What does the right investment look like for you? All of the different questions that fall underneath that. How much are you open to investing? What level of security? What length of time? What type of project? What risk appetite? What security? Blah, 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 all those different things. So then you can put a, a real tailored proposal together for them. Um, because one size definitely doesn't fit all when it comes to investors. Every single one is different. So all of these different things that I've spoken about from front to, to, to end of making sure that you, you've got your previous experience of why somebody might be interested in that, your why and your mission and what you're trying to do in the future and why somebody might be interested in that. You've done your due diligence and how you made things as, as more tight as possible. Um, and also what's in it for the investor. You shouldn't necessarily need to worry too much about I haven't done any deals up until this point. You should be looking and going, I'm giving you the opportunity, Mr. Investor, because all of these things that we've spoken about, I now know this is the right opportunity for you. We saw Mrs. Investor. And I, um, I've now um, given you, I've, I've created an opportunity that you said works for you, and I've given you all of the clarity and confidence in, even though I haven't done a deal, I'm going to be able to do it. Look, my power team, my, 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 my support network around me, all these other things will make sure that you get your money back. And I have to start somewhere. So if you're that type of an investor that wants to see the little guy do well, um, then there would be, if you are not bothered about the uh, the small businesses doing well, invest your money in, in the bank because you don't need to worry about anything else apart from your money's kind of safe, um, up to £85,000, um, and you'll get a certain amount of interest coming back, and that's up to you. Um, so yeah, I hope not. I'm bombarded with too much detail there. No, not at all. That was that was brilliant, and it's it's clear to see why someone would invest in someone like yourself because you're so calculated. Everything you've got down to a T. Um, well, I had a, an in, interesting meeting with one of them, the investors that I'm hopefully close to securing. Um, I had everything on my laptop. Like he was like, "What about this?" And I was like, "Well, let me show you." So we were going through the actual calculations of the HMO valuation and all of the different things that would mean this is how much money we get out at the end of it. This is how much monthly rent we're getting, net net cash flow. This is how much um, it's gonna if if there's money left in, which it wasn't in this, it was actually a hundred and forty thousand pound profit on the on the um the refinance stage. It was a really good deal. But if there's money left in, how long it will take us to pay all that back? Was able to show that, and then there was a couple of other questions about something else. And I was like, "Well, have a look at this, and have a look at that." And because I've had it all planned in advance, um, stuff that I've, I've been working on for years and years, um, to a point where they they didn't have any other questions at the end of it because I was able to go through things methodically with each different document or spreadsheet. Um, and by the end of it, they said, "This is really good." Um, if you didn't have all of that planned in advance or all of that work done in advance for the due diligence, you'll be saying it on the hop and chances are the numbers won't be right. They'll grill you on it and you'll, you'll come unstuck. Um, and, um, at some point they'll come back to you and say, actually, those numbers don't correspond with the numbers that you originally told me. So it's almost like you're telling a lie to begin with, get it all straight to begin with, and then you won't have to worry about that. You've got it all in front of you. Yeah, I can clearly see, and, and people listening can clearly see. You know your, uh, you know your shit when it comes to raising finance. Most definitely, like I've got, I've got an invest, like an investor pack myself there, and just off this call, I'll be adding some things to it, just from what you've said, and and, and making sure everything's tied down. And and like you say, 
again on this raising finance course again everything you're saying is on is, is on there so it's, it's it really resonates with me but having everything there is so important and there's no room for obviously they're going to ask questions but there's no room for questions at the end because you've covered everything which 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 is incredible but well, i won't keep the thing the way that i do it is i just ask question 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 and then he calls um there are some investors that come in and they just grill you straight away and they're like tell me all of this information and you're like blah, 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 you get through it but the conversation the, the way that i generally like to play it if i have the ability to do it is to start off with asking them a little bit about themselves tell them i want to find out more about you this goes back to the original part of our conversation it's genuinely caring about them it's not the commission breath it's not i want this money i want this money it's you might not be right for us at this moment in time and i'm happy to push you away as an investor or for you to walk away as an investor until the time is right i want to know exactly what works for you so let me ask all of these different questions and there's two pages worth of questions that i have to a point by the, by the end of it i'll either say at that moment in time i do have something and i'm going to go away and i'm going to formulate a proposal that works best for you based on all of these different things or i don't have anything for you at this moment in time some people will want um uh, first charge on something and if I don't have that availability to give first charge, then I'll just have to say I can't do it right now. But there's a project that we're doing at the moment, which is a flip. We've, we've got cash purchase, so we could give somebody a first charge on that if we wanted to, um, or if they were looking to do it. Um, so all of the, um, the, the questioning is to understand more about them, genuinely care about them, and then keep all of that information to hand. So that in a year's time, two years time, three years time, when that amazing deal comes through, hopefully that investor at that moment in time will go, I can't believe you found that for me. Brilliant. I'm ready to go. Let's crack on, which has happened to me a couple of times. Um, and it's, it's about with anything in sales, it's finding out what people want and giving it to them, but also not being so focused on needing that money straight away that you will forget questions or you'll forget to even care about the, the person in front of you um, and you won't be able to provide them with what they want. If you can't provide them with what they want, they might maybe be persuaded to invest with you. But how about they are head over heels wanting to invest in you because you've listened to them and you found the right deal for them? Yeah, most definitely. I, I, won't, I won't keep you too much longer, Don, because I know you're a, you're a busy man. You, like I said, you were on the phone before we'd even um, before we'd even started getting deals tied over. But it's been it's been a pleasure speaking to you, mate. I, I've learned a hell of a lot and a hell of a lot just just chatting to you and and how calculated you are with with everything you do. You can tell, and that's why you've obviously raised a lot. And and I'd go as far as saying you're you're an expert in the field of raising finance because what some of the things you've been speaking about today are just impressive and, you, and you're open and honest about it and you, you're telling people your secret sauce which not many people do <laughs> well like i say there's an abundance of um, of investment out there and if i can have helped one to ten people to, to raise an extra bit of investment or at least give a little bit of confidence that they can do it it's staying at home thinking i can't pick up the phone because why will people invest um it's just so much potential out there for everybody to raise money um like if we knew exactly how much there was in people's bank accounts at the moment everyone would be making phone calls but like that scarcity thing like oh there's not there's not many people wanting to invest there's loads of people trying to get investment no it's not like that just go out get it take the action and it will start turning into results most definitely most definitely well thank you like i say you've inspired me mate if any if anyone is looking to connect with you don where is the best place to, to connect with you um you can either jump onto facebook which is kda 
property solutions or um, Instagram, KDA underscore property, um, or you can shoot me an email, dom at kdaproperty.com. Um, I'm more than happy to jump on phone conversations with anybody or a Zoom call just to go through things, right? Add a bit more confidence to people. Um, maybe have a quick review on what people are selling to people um, and seeing whether or not there's any tweaks that we can do to, to improve it. Um, like I said, my, my whole ethos is empowering you to achieve total freedom and have fun. Um, and it doesn't include raising money. It's to help people. And if I can help one or two people, I'm more than happy to do that. Brilliant. Well, again, Dom, thank you so much. I've loved every minute. It's been, it's been a cracker. All good. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to jump on maybe again in, in June, July or halfway through the year, see where we're at with things and see how yeah. you're doing. Sounds good. Cheers, Kyle. No problem, Dom. Thanks again and all the best. Cheers. Bye.